Imagine a world in which millions of commercial drones zoom around the skies, doing everything from delivering packages to inspecting infrastructure. To some extent, it's already happening, and it's why the FAA is hard at work on a project known as UTM, Unmanned Aircraft System Traffic Management. Joining me with a progress report, Jay Merkel, Executive Director of the FAA's Office of UAS Integration. Mr. Merkel, good to have you on. Good to be on. Thank you for having me, Tom. So let's start at the beginning here. What is the FAA's ultimate charge with this program, and how far along is it? Well, UTM, like our other endeavors in air traffic management, the real ultimate goal is to provide a safe and efficient management of, in this case, drones in the airspace, and primarily for drones 400 feet and below, where we think the large number of drones will be operating. Amateur drone operators have rules. They register their drones, but they have to keep them in sight. Would it be fair to say the next wave of activity involves drones that might be out of line of sight? Yes, Tom, you're correct. Beyond visual line of sight is a very important capability for enabling the number of drone operations that everyone predicts. You mentioned there could be millions, and we see the same thing. There could be millions of drones operating across the entire United States doing all sorts of important um, activities from, as you mentioned, package delivery to inspecting power lines to inspecting pipelines. And clearly, it's not practical to do that um, just having the drone in sight. So you need to have a way for those drones to operate beyond visual line of sight safely and efficiently um, so they can go out and do these missions. And, of course, we don't have a pilot on board, so uh, the, the, the operator won't be able to see everything the drone sees. Now, drones will have to have certain capabilities in avoiding one another, being aware, if you will, and they have to also avoid commercial aircraft, manned air, airliners. And so what what is the FAA looking to do from the sense of the air traffic controller community, and what is it that you feel needs to be imposed on the drone manufacturers and operators? It seems like a lot of people have a role in all of this. Oh, yes, many people have a role. And there are many agencies currently involved in developing this. This isn't just an FAA effort. NASA has been key in developing the underlying technologies and and really shepherding the research and development in this area. FAA has been key in developing policy, um, working on the implementation of UTM, and working on the safe oversight of, of UTM. And we have other security partners who are working in conjunction with us who are helping to manage the secure integration of these drones into the airspace. And then also um, they will be operators of their own fleets of drones. And so they look to UTM for their operation. You're correct. There's a tremendous amount of automation that needs to go in to UTM to enable the large number of operations, the scale of operations that we're talking about. And UTM isn't a typical air traffic system like we think of. It's really a collection of services, everything from separation, and really these drones will have the automation to self-separate from each other and to separate themselves from general aviation aircraft in the area, and to know how to stay out of the areas where commercial aviation is currently operating. It will also have hazard and terrain avoidance, um, status information for their flights, uh, advisories, being able to detect weather information or absorb weather information, 
hazard and obstacle information. And of course, typical flight planning operations and information sharing, uh, traffic management, you know, is it too dense in this area? Do I need to find another route? And um, demand and capacity balancing. So all of these components have to come together to safely integrate the drones in the 400 foot and below level. And that's really one of our key strategies for keeping safe operations between our drone world and the manned aviation world, general aviation, um, helicopters, uh, business jets, and commercial. We want to keep the drones, and they want to operate primarily in the lower airspace where those aircraft aren't currently using the airspace. So that gives us a layer of safety right there. How does this work operationally? You mentioned several other agencies that have a component in this whole general policy and technology development. I guess technology standards would be part of it. So do you get together monthly, or how does it all work for the people involved in this effort? Oh, it's more than monthly. Uh, Multiple teams from multiple agencies are meeting daily or many times a day working on different aspects of this problem. And we're also working very closely with industry on this problem, everything from developing the standards to the implementation. We in the FAA realized early on that we couldn't afford to put out an infrastructure that reached into all the cities and the suburbs and all the places where manned aviation doesn't fly. So one of the key ideas in UTM is industry will actually be supplying most of the services and all of the infrastructure associated with UTM. The FAA will be providing significant amounts of information to those service suppliers. For example, airspace information, status of the airspace, are there temporary flight restrictions in the area, are there notices to airmen they need to pay attention to, are there obstacles, are there other flights in the area. So we'll be providing that to them. They'll actually be providing the services like separation and operations management. We're speaking with Jay Merkel. He's executive director of the Office of UAS Integration at the FAA. And let me give you a scenario. Suppose I'm someone in Roslyn and I have to deliver something by drone to somewhere in the mall area of Washington, D.C. There's a thing called Reagan Airport that's in between where I have to fly. And the planes at that point, the airplanes are in that 400 foot or getting down pretty close to it. Does this plan and vision say I'd have to fly upriver at some point to where the airplanes are well above 400 feet, then cross over and go back along the river on the other side? Is that the kind of general plan that that you see developing? Well, first, Tom, I'd like to remind folks that we in the Washington area have a special flight rules area, and there are no uh, drone operations in this area. But if we suspend that for just a moment and go to some time in the future when we know we can safely and securely integrate drone operations into the metro D.C. area, Um, the most likely way that would operate is the UTM system in conjunction with the ATM system would determine a safe time that that the drone could either fly below or fly around to go from Roslyn to the mall Or, in some cases, if there was a large gap in the flow of airplanes from uh, approach into uh, Reagan National Airport, the drone might actually fly through that area. And this is really, these are really the same strategies we use in manned aviation today. 
general aviation pilots might fly below an approach path, they might fly around approach path, or in some conditions where it's safe and we have sufficient times in between airplanes, they might actually fly through. And if you live in the Washington area, you've probably seen helicopters going up and down the Potomac, and that's a good example of those kind of operations. Yeah, I mentioned Reagan, but the same principle applies where there are airports pretty much everywhere, correct? Absolutely. We use the same principles in air traffic, and we'll use the same principles in UTM across the entire United States. And what is the deadline for having policy? I mean, it sounds like an effort that in some sense the development would never stop because there's always room for improvement. But at what point does the policy become solidified and who says, yes, we're ready to go now? That's a really good question, Tom. Um, We have already started implementing portions of UTM. Uh, Registration and identification of your drone are portions. So we have registration. We recently added nationwide the ability to get automated airspace authorizations in and around the airports. That's our low-altitude authorization and notification capability. Um, And the next big component that we'll add is remote identification, which will allow us to identify via a cooperative um, broadcast signal every drone with a unique identifier uh, anywhere it's operating in the airspace. And we believe that's crucial and fundamental for providing safety uh, or safe integration of drones and the secure integration of drones. And from there, we'll add new services like separation management advisories and others. And you're correct, it probably never will end. Um, Just like today, we constantly evolve the, the air traffic management system in conjunction with the needs of our airspace users. We plan to continuously involve UTM in response to the needs of the airspace users in the drone community. When will it be ready to go? We think around 2020, we'll have most of the major components available, and somewhere between 20 and 24, we'll see the layering of all those capabilities to get to what we think is the mature state of UTM. And is the UTM manufacturing industry, are they ready with the technologies aboard their products that will be necessary for this? They will be ready. Right now, the final standards are coming out of industry standard bodies, and they'll be ready and willing to manufacture to those standards very soon. This is a very agile industry, whereas in traditional aviation it might take years or a decade to develop something. We're really talking about development cycles that may be as short as six weeks or as long as six months. Jay Merkel is Executive Director of the Office of Unmanned Aerial Systems at the FAA. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Tom. Find a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand and on your device at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Love Target? Well, you're about to love it even more. With Target Red Card, you'll save 5% every day in-store and online. Find the red card that's right for you, whether it's debit, credit, or Target's new Red Card Reloadable, which doesn't require an existing bank account or credit check. With Target Red Card, you'll get exclusive deals and free shipping on most items. Visit Target.com slash Red Card to get all the details. It's always a great day to save. Restrictions apply.